0: <laughs> wow below average <laughs> yeah that's fair that's fair that's funny because i couldn't hear stafford forever i couldn't hear stafford forever oh really so yeah ladies and gentlemen this this is
1: how yeah this is well, the compelling to the behind
2: show. the scenes stuff so you know have you both seen barbie now yes yep dude i, I was just telling mike i completed the barbenheimer oh challenge did you this really week. yeah well done good for you man well have done. you mike
0: I'm not. I'm your, waiting for Steve. Halfway. I'm waiting for Steve to come down. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I, Guys, let's I talk. I laughed let's talk. nonstop. <laughs> it just was brilliant. Who
0: do you think? Tim and I were just debating who's more attractive, Margot Robbie or Ryan Gosling. And I, I, mean, and I said, <laughs> I prefer Ryan Reynolds oh, yeah? to Ryan Gosling. That's a hot take. And huh. um, so I'm going to go Robbie. Uh, Stafford, what's your vote? She's beautiful, but Gosling gets me every time. Okay, that's fair. That's Tim really uh, Gumbus, you
1: were the tiebreaker. <laughs> uh, man, that is not a difficult question for me.
2: I think Margot Robbie is beautiful. <laughs> she is gorgeous, and she's so good in it. Oh my Ryan, word, she's hilarious too. Gumbus, have you ever listened to um, Dead Man's Bones? No. What is it? It is Brian Gosling's band that's kind of like inspired by the Haunted Mansion ride at Disneyland. Oh, really? And it is amazing. Huh. It's like one of my favorite
0: records.
1: Dead Man's Bones. Of course
0: it is. It probably deals with death and bones. It's very Halloween. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Wow, that's interesting. Tim
0: Gombus, what is your look, we're just gonna call you Gombus. Cool. And I love I love I love <laughs> Gombus because it's a noun and a verb. Um You've been gambist. Um, These are all pe- episode titles. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, but gambist, what, what? Oh, I lost my question on that uh, witty clip about your <laughs> dead
1: man's bones.
0: <laughs> your name,
1: Disneyland ride. Yeah. Oh, what's your what's your what's your favorite holiday? My favorite holiday probably Arbor Day. Yeah, and then yes,
2: and <laughs> <laughs> Boxing Day. <laughs> Followed like closely by Flag Unboxing Day. Day.
1: My favorite holiday um man it's got to be either thanksgiving or christmas probably just christmas day that's just that's just yeah. the reality yep always has you, been great what would, you,
0: what would you think about a man whose favorite holiday is halloween
1: <laughs> i would say he he is doubtless a person of unusual depth i'm gonna take that to the bank i want to know more
0: tim stafford's bio i'm a person of unusual depth perfect speaking of volume depth let's talk a little barbie guys i mean because (laughs) i i was i went to see it on assignment from the tims oh yeah um oh yeah i was not Initially planning to my son, it was interesting. My oldest son came home and said he was like near tears a couple of times, and I yeah. was like, I "Oh, I me too, me too." I did. I didn't imagine how that could happen at the Barbie movie, and um, I was I was pleasantly surprised yeah. at the the themes. It's kind of like Stafford, the depth. That's right.
2: Of uh, I am myself of the movie. strange and unusual.
0: Yes, yes. So what stood out?
2: You go first, Gombez. What was it? What stood out? Um,
1: all right. Well, what stood out to me was, um, I thought it was really clever to have, um, to have, uh, Ken go through that that whole struggle of like his identity and like uh, having had an identity that was only through the female gaze that yeah. um and to have that to have that be so foreign so that the patriarchy in which we all that that we all inhabit um to have Ken's experience be so foreign that it makes you actually see the contours of the patriarchy and that um that Ken <laughs> had no idea like who he was I mean th- this all seems so simple I feel so st- uh as a guy I just feel so stupid for like rehearsing the basic contours of uh every woman's experience in North America. So it's just <laughs> like <laughs> but uh you guys know how it is because it's just not what your experience is you just don't understand it. It it's like you yeah. you have to So that was really interesting to see that. I thought the device was really brilliant. Um I thought sort of uh the never-ending cascade of just clever ideas and uh like witticisms from the writers um Hmm. uh Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach I thought I thought it was just like it just was brilliant I mean it was constant I mean just the fact that they were singing that Indigo Girls song um (laughs) you know constantly that, 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 that I thought that was great and then the Matchbox 20 song,
0: which I will never hear again the same way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> totally. Which was
1: perfect. I want to push you around. That is so, that was That's, just hilarious. And the way that they sang yeah. it, too. They were like, totally. wow. wow. <laughs> just, I could not stop laughing. In the, whole, in the theater, it was great. I don't yeah. know. I'm sure there's much more to say. I'd love to hear from you guys.
2: I just, I was, somebody was talking about recently, it wasn't about Barbie, but it was about comedy and kind of where comedians have been lately, um, having to watch, you know, comedy used to always kind of be something that was sharp and nobody was off limits. And it was just kind of like, you didn't know what was going to happen. And there's a little bit of danger to that. Um, and how a lot of comedians are a little bit nervous these days with what they can and can't talk about. Um, and how, just what that struggle looks like. And, you know, as, as the pendulum swings from one side to the other, things get kind of extreme, but the comedian was talking about just how um, potent the use of satire has been to expose just things that are wrong in society for so long. Satire has been such a unique tool for doing that because it almost tricks the audience member into agreeing with something they might not agree with or, or seeing something that they didn't, weren't looking for. And then it reveals it to them. And so looking at this through that lens, exactly that, like some of it, some of the comedy was so heavy handed on purpose because it was taking you while you're laughing, you're being, you're so much Mm -hmm. is being revealed to you. And it's such a smart technique rather than just having these like jabs over and over again. The satire just slowly unveils all these things at the end. You're like, oh man. (laughs) I just was like exposed to all these different ideas, but I was doing it while laughing or watching a ridiculous song or you know yeah. plastic castles and that kind of stuff. So <laughs> it's such a it shows the intelligence of the writers in through a pink Corvette plastic yeah movie <laughs> yeah totally. Well, that was that was that was a the theme that really stood out
0: was the the incarnation right the choice of incarnation the choice to be fully human as opposed to live in the fantasy of humanness. You know, like like Barbie encounters suffering f- through f- flat feet and cellulite <laughs> and and then is given this matrixy choice between the Birkenstock and the high heeled shoe. And at the end, she chooses to be real. Um and I and I Spoiler. was talking about my, yeah, yeah. The, the spoilers <laughs> galore. And we're going to call this episode, which I thought was funny, none of you commented on, Three Men and a Barbie. <laughs> I thought that was funny and witty, and none of you on our text thread said anything about that. Um, I'm Tom Selleck, by the way, just in that <laughs> cast um, of characters. Um, <laughs> that's, so anyone over 40 will understand that. Nobody nobody else will. But I was, I was... It it reminded me a little bit of the Matrix, of course, on purpose. I mean, that was the you know, that was the genius. But but that um the choice to be fully human and all that entails and that montage of moms that the creator kind of shows Barbie, like, Are you sure you want to do this? Yeah. I just thought, Whoa, what a great picture of incarnation, you know, that um hmm. And, and, and it turned out like that montage, were those were family films from the cast and crew. Oh, really? So it was so super. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. It was super. Wow. At least I, that's what I read. Well, the older personal. woman on the
2: bench, do you guys know who she was at the bus stop? No. Who was that? She was the creator of Barbie's daughter. She was the Barbara. She was the one that Barbie was oh, really? created for. Wow. So I just got a little extra. That, that one tugged at, the, tugged at the tear ducts a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Gosh. Yeah. I know. And then, and then I
0: thought, I mean, I'm, I'm you know, sorry, guys. I'm bringing so much Bible to this party, but... Um, <laughs> Who brought the Bible to the Barbie party? <laughs> that's right. That's right. But, but, the, but it just seemed like this perfect um, illustration of Genesis 3, right? And the upside down to so what was mutual and reciprocal now has become hierarchical. And the and the subtle nuance that neither matriarchy or patriarchy solves the question, only mutuality and you know, companionship and partnership. Mm. I just that that Ken has the experience of ruling and he hates it. You know, he's miserable. Yeah. When he realized I, it didn't have anything to do with horses.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's just the best part. All the horses everywhere. Everywhere. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it was. just brilliant. <laughs> so ridiculous. Yeah, it was. So I just. I, I, yeah, go ahead. No, go no ahead. just the horses. I, I couldn't get enough of that. That he thought patriarchy was yeah. about like men and horses. <laughs> yeah. Men and horses. Horses are men extenders. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. But he's miserable even in that space, right? He he and and so he he the feminine gay space doesn't work for him. And then the let's reverse that so that Barbie's the accessory rather than Ken, neither of those spaces worked. I just thought that was really like it was a step further than I was expecting. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, somebody put a plot or a tweeted a plot thing. They're like, Barbie is anti-men. There's an entire plot line about how boys are not taught how to deal with their emotions. So, instead, they cling to the patriarchy and actually get denied an identity separate from masculinity by the very same patriarchy. So, she's just like, what? Like, they're just showing everything was as a, I don't know. Just, I just thought it was so clever and so well done. And yeah. And Kate McKinnon, Weird Barbie. Oh, yeah, totally. She she's always great. a treat and
1: everything. Yeah, she doesn't do anything. Like, she's just so over the top. And it, yeah. it, it was perfect for that. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I thought that, I thought you could tell that the whole cast was just having an absolute ball. Like, they, like, yeah. they just, you know, she camps it up. Uh, Ryan Gosling camps it up. Everything is just turned up so loud. And it's just so stinking fun.
2: <laughs> well, most of those guys probably don't get to sing and dance in very many movies. Yeah. And go to war with section <laughs> cup arrows. Oh, and- <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah, I thought that, that was just we brilliant. we will turn
0: the cans on themselves. Yeah. Genius. Yeah, I was I was I was just very I was surprised at the depth because you know You get, of course, the instant reactions from both camps, right? This is the new feminist manifesto, which is, you know, poo pooed by some and welcomed by others. And it wasn't that. It was better than that.
2: Oh, yeah. It's funny because some of the critiques were, yeah, either that it was just this kind of, you know, overly feminist, woke, garbage film that, you know, strips joy out of everything, or there's... A lot of people are like, this is not feminist enough. This is like feminism 101. This is just like an entry level understanding. But at that, I think that point is correct and is wonderful. Like, I was sitting next to my 11 year old son and my seven year old daughter who loved the movie and then had it provoked conversations about, well, what mm. is feminism? What is patriarchy? What are these words? Mm. And how do they fit into our current society? And so, I think it was it was not heavy handed on purpose, which was brilliant. It provoked conversation, and kind of eased, every, and then again, the satire eases you into the conversation. Unless you're Ben Shapiro, and then it just really pisses you off, and you go buy Barbies to burn in your barbecue, and rant for forty five minutes in your barbecue. Yeah, yeah, I think there's just inevitably insane.
1: something to complain about on the part of everyone, um, always. Mm. but yeah i think you i I, i'm just taking on board what you had to say mike about um i mean uh yeah it just seemed like there was so much more than that and it it's sort of and what you were saying tim it just kind of holds up a mirror to so much it's just revealing Mm. and it it is generative of loads of good conversations and at the same time i just think it's just so stinking fun i i want to i'd like to go see it like another two times because i I got, I didn't get stuck, but I just I I sort of remained at the, the surface level of just mm. laughing so hard and 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 just sort of enjoying it at that surface level. I, I need to see it. I need to see it a couple more times because it seems like there's so much cleverness in there.
0: Yeah, yeah. There and and yet there were these moments of such mic drop, you know, profundity like. The, the the character gloria who is the real world woman yeah. in barbie land and and she has this section of quotes where she's saying you know on the one hand we're expected to do this but on the other hand we we have to do it in this way like she talks about being you know we're invited into like to be really successful but as long as that doesn't compromise the standards of femininity our culture has already yeah. decided on. You know yeah. what I mean? I, like actually it, found in,
2: her, I found that whole speech this morning just read it
0: before we started. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was, and, and you know, there were only five of us in the theater. No way. But you could, fee- at 9.30 oh, in the morning.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was yeah, 9.30 in the sense. morning. We had, yeah, yeah. We
0: had one, one single guy up there, just who knows what he was doing. And then my daughter and I, and then two older women behind us. And there was, an, you could even hear it with just five of us, an audible intake of breath on some of those yeah. statements yeah. describing, Tim, as, as, um, as you had said earlier, the contours of what it is like to be uh, a woman in um, 21st century America. On the one hand, there is this great permission and invitation into, into places of power. On the other hand, there are these strictures that are still very much there. Yeah. Um, that 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 almost cancel out, you know, the appearance of empowerment, yeah, or the experience of empowerment.
1: Yeah, what I hate about that is uh, one one thing that I hate about that, I'm, is that it's just so, for me, cast the light on male fragility. I, I just I, you know that um, we want women to be uh to sort of inhabit themselves fully and to to just sort of show up fully in like say uh a family church workplace environment um but the fact that we we want them to so fully show up uh but then um you know to say something like look if this is not working for you please say something and we'll we'll we can uh, make adjustments uh we can all change so that you are you know you're f- thriving or flourishing in this setting in this relationship or whatever um but then because of i think male fragility it's like well but don't be bitchy about it uh or don't be right. you know don't be uh, yeah complaining or whiny yeah. or you know it and it's like so i think what she was getting at there and that's in that speech is just that um yeah when women show up fully, uh, men often just find men are just offensive. They, you know, they don't have the, the stamina mm. to, to participate well. in we, I, I'm saying they, don't we, don't, dare, we don't have the stamina. Don't you I, want dare just, I want to be confessional. Indict here. our stamina. We don't have, <laughs> um, the stamina to stay in difficult conversations without attacking or defending or, mm. or checking out mm. or accusing. And, um, yeah. I mean, that's, and I also hate that reality for, uh, for women. Um, that's just, it's just gotta be mm-hmm. such a, um, difficult experience in, in, workplaces, in, in churches and in families, um, because they've learned, we've taught them, you know, when they use their voices, bad things happen when they fully show up, uh, bad things happen. And that's just, it's just a tragedy where, and like you guys have been saying, everyone loses.
2: Yeah. Well, when she was making that speech, I was thinking about, I don't know why, but I started thinking about, um, the 2016 election and how, as soon as we had a woman that was the front runner for the president to be the president she immediately all those things started happening all those like jokes about like well i don't want somebody who is gonna you know be on their period running the country because we know what women are like when they're like that and just really playing into this over emotional Mm -hmm. out of control nature that a woman has and can't control can't have power because of that and then we elected the most emotionally like uneven person in history to actually take the presidency and it's just like man to look at the hypocrisy on display in a very simple frame is pretty bananas yeah but you just hear all that and the stuff that she was saying where it's like you have to be this but you can't do this you have to be this but you can't do this you have to be this but you can't do this yeah like, it's yeah. a tight rope yep. that as soon as one foot comes off it's like well told you so yeah. this is why we yeah. can't have
1: women here or there yeah damned if you do Wait. damned if you don't it's just it's awful
0: it, it, it is.
1: And I didn't, you
0: know, I think me before being married for 20 years plus and having an 18-year-old daughter, um, she's actually 25, but, you know, we clean that up for Christian audiences. Um, she, like, seeing the world through her eyes has been the most enlightening. I've never, I just never knew how hard it, how hard it was. I wish I could go back and date differently. You know, when I was in middle school, high school, college, I just didn't know how hard it was to be a young woman, mm-hmm. and that's not a see to me. That's just that. I, I even saying that, I hear voices that are like, "Oh, you know, you're capitulating, and you know, you're a simp or whatever," and you're and you're just like, "Nah, I, I just really want to pay attention to the experiences of people what around is a me, simp? particularly." Uh, a simp is somebody who uh, is a man who reorients his entire life around a woman. Oh, okay, so. Yeah, so a Ken, he's a, he's a Ken okay. in this case. Um, you capitulated to what, Mike? Well, capitulating that that men can't be men anymore because women are you know being women. Yeah. So it's a zero sum game. One of us, we have to, and that and that's how the movie initially presents. You know, patriarchy, matriarchy. There's yeah. no there's no partnership. There's no reciprocity. There's no image bearing. It's simply one loses. Um, so that the other can be prominent. Yeah. And the movie does a great job showing how untenable that is for everybody. The prominent one and the less prominent one. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It seems like yeah. an attitude like that, that you're mentioning an attitude like that um, is an instance of male fragility. It, it's like, it is an act of banging one's spoon on the, the high chair. Tray. And it's just it's just completely <laughs> it's it's um, it seems to me to be profoundly immature and also yeah. profoundly yeah. unchristian um, in the sense Ooh. that the film can be taken as an invitation to put on a heart of compassion on the, for, uh, for men to put on a heart of compassion. Like what is life like in the United States of America for women? Here's an exercise uh here, right. here's an instance where we can right. learn like why, why are we threatened by even asking that question? yeah, I think that that's an instance of of male fragility, like men can't be men anymore, or um yeah. I mean, you hear this in conservative white evangelical spaces, you know, the biggest threat to the church is the you know the feminization of men, which um right to to situate that kind of an uh, of an attitude, it's really helpful to read jason stanley's book how fascism works and it's really helpful to read (laughs) pankaj mishra's book um the uh age of anger because they both talk about that they both talk about fascistic um impulses that that um where men sort of uh um, try to kind of rev up their masculinity out of fears of any kind of out of fears of the possibility of internal fem femininity and wanting to rid themselves of, of any hint of mm. femininity. So like there's like the denial of softer emotions or the, you know, bury those. Yeah. And, um, you know, yeah. and that requires, um, that that requires also the subjugation of women. You know, that, that's all, it's all part of like a fascistic, which conservative, white evangelical spaces are largely fascistic they're they're ruled by uh, men they're ruled by a singular leader they they end up being cults of personality and so they have to involve the subordination of women so people like uh i don't think it's well i'll take whatever shots come my way for this but take them you said take it tim em. you mentioned um who is that okay here do it. Who's that pipsqueak that you mentioned earlier? I can't remember his name. The 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 angry, ben Shapiro.
2: the weasel. Oh, Ben Shapiro. The little
1: weasel. Yeah, who has. Um because all this is all this is in play, but it seems to me that he has something like small man syndrome. Um, you know, where he you know realizes or feels it's it's an existential experience of smallness. And so he um it's necessary for him to sort of root out any kind of um, internalized, you know, softness. He doesn't want to be soft. He doesn't want to be small. He wants to, you know, yeah. sort of flex his muscles and be as masculine as possible. And that requires him to get angry. Well, anger,
2: age of anger. <laughs> and buy, bur- buy Barbies and burn them in a barbecue. Yeah, but shows. he's got to
1: do all of that. You know, <laughs> yeah. um, but it's it's Our really mutual friend
2: Kevin, it's really
1: sad, has
2: smallness
0: syndrome, too. But <laughs> we'll, we won't discuss that. <laughs>
1: So you can't have, you can't have uh, men uh, expressing softness or care or compassion or, um, uh, you know, a sense of humor or yeah. a sense of humor that doesn't involve attacking people. Um,
2: yeah. Totally, well, the reason I, so I texted you guys is because I wanted to, I was having a conversation with friends about um, the God is not in control theme. And um, so then what? I went to see these movies with all that in my head both Oppenheimer and Barbie and um our need to so like a Ben Shapiro our need to manifest to control the narrative on everything like we we want to and then we want to do that through the lens of like I am or my thoughts are ordained therefore my seeking control is seeking control for God or to show God's control over all situations and so with what you're just talking about with with that did you guys watch the Woodstock 1999 documentary?
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. Yes. Holy moly. It's oh, it's, so it's a microcosm of what you're saying or like not or just like an explosion. The end result of because they're like part of what happened at that concert was things were going so good. Like the economy was doing great. Everybody was kind of doing great in America and white men had nothing to be really angry about mm and they get to this festival with all this angry music and they find they like manifest anger and and so there's just like Mm. tons of rapes happened at this concert tons of like violence happened at this concert Mm. they set the whole thing on fire if you remember like they're burning down structures in the thing they had to stop the concert a couple times and it was like this is what happens when (laughs) like white men don't have anything to be angry about they find They manifest it. They find something to be threatened by and Mm. then react to it. Yeah. And then make a bunch of victims out of it. And I was like that, there's something about that mentality that starts at one point and this, and then this is how you see the inevitable result of it is this overflow of that violence thinking.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, Pankaj Mishra scary. Yeah. He said, um, well, he went through a whole litany of, and they're all white men uh writers over the last 150 years who just uh who found uh, like american and a couple of european writers who found places uh, in the world where there was warfare and like they went and joined foreign armies just to just to have like violent adventures is crazy
2: yeah
0: well, that was the Eldridge argued that we need a battle exactly. To fight. It's that yeah. kind of
1: masculinity. I mean, yeah, every man needs a battle or something like that instead of yeah. like. I, I think that's just a, a manifestation of that. It's that's not a manifestation of strength. It's a manifestation, to me, it seems, of like fragility. And I think mm-hmm. it's uh, what's interesting, Tim, as, as you're pointing out. I mean, just to make the connection explicit, is in, in those white evangelical spaces. The, um, white conservative evangelical spaces and especially among uh, the preachers and leaders of those environments it seems to me that that's where you have like the most emphasis on like God being a controlling God because yeah. those people yeah. you are controlling people so it's like it's, it's yeah. all projection it's like you cannot have a God who is actually um Soft and relational, who is in genuine relation, whose heart uh, breaks. I mean, all all of the feminine characteristics, quote unquote, they're just they're just soft, emotional, um, relational characteristics of God throughout the Old Testament. Um, And Jesus behaving in those ways those are those are embarrassing or something like that, or they're shameful or Mm -hmm. they're just forgotten or overlooked or neglected. Um, I, I just was talking with someone yesterday about that instance i think it's first samuel 24 uh where david you know he having numbered the people All right um where, where god oftentimes um you know the angel of the lord is is god himself in the old testament and um god responds by sending nathan to offer david to choose between like one of three punishments or whatever and david's like, how can i even do that and so, God sends the angel of the Lord, who is God, to um, bring judgment. And then, when God sees what God is doing, He's horrified and relents. It's like, oh, like whoa. So, I mean, you have God being violent, and then seeing that happen. Well, God's not violent. He's it's some kind of like punishment. I'm just saying that because someone made the point that uh, when God brings judgment in the Old Testament, it's never called violence. But you have God acting in this way. And then God seeing it and being revolted. Whereas I think uh, uh, men of a certain type would be like what it would be like um, salivating at the thought of God being violent because yeah. men, white men in America want to be violent because we just have that proclivity toward control, which I think is, is um, something really corrupt. Hey, Seth, I just wanted to get all that it, thought out before I said hi. <laughs> hey, they're saying hi to you, Sethi. What's up, buddy?
0: Yep, they see you. Not crazy Oh, about that they I see read, you. Oh, that is... That, <laughs> yeah, that is Gombus. Yeah. That's right. Hey, Gombus. What's up, buddy? <laughs> What's up? What's up?
1: A gorgeous Saturday. Oh. 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 oh.
0: Seth and uh, his older brother just finished their first album. Really? And um, well, yeah, and I use the title you know album loosely because it's a lot of one take freestyle rapping over beats. But That's awesome. um, my my oldest son Nate, uh, there are two two bangers as he calls them on the album. One is called um, Syndrome Down, but Syndrome Money up. Down, Money Up. Yep, and then and then the best, the my favorite one is dis d i s dis, DIS yeah. ability to get dis bread, and which is money, Okay. Thomas, in mm-hmm. case you were wondering, so it's like this ability to get this bread, dis so ability to get this bread. Know, <laughs> that's awesome. I know, and it's just awesome. So we've been listening to that, huh?
2: Yeah, that's yep. cool.
0: Hey, congrats. No, that's I a think big there's deal. something. It, it is a big deal, huh? Uh,
2: yeah.
0: Um, I think there's something. I mean, as you were talking, I was thinking back to when the man blames the woman. Oh, right! Totally. Literally, the first inclination, and and just all of the all of the men who look around at the church, and say the problem is women pastors, or the problem is yeah. women's ordination, or the problem is the feminization yeah. of men. I mean, the the the, and I don't. I mean, this is such a dumb thing to say, but I I, how do you How do you just not see that we're doing that over and over and over? I mean, this is nothing, this is just Genesis three again and again and again and again. Seriously. And that the and that we're not that what we're what we're what we're fighting for are the 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 conditions between men and women that exist under the curse, not the conditions between men and women that are God's ideal. Yeah. And um and so, yeah, just the amount of because there was this great line, of course, by Gloria saying something like, you know, not only are we responsible for the sins of men, but um, uh, but also for, and and it was this, it was something like, uh, not only are we responsible for the failures of men, but we are also responsible for like the mistakes we make ourselves or something. It was just this yeah. classic statement that. No matter what happens, it's damned if you do or damned, you know, if you don't. Yeah, and um, yeah, it just the thing that surprised me is Greta. This uh, I I read; she was like a philosophy um, major, Hmm. and um, you can you can feel that there's an undertone to it, and it's fascinating to me that there's this huge cultural moment happening, and of course, the church decides, nope. Um, you know we're we're not going to participate. no thanks. it doesn't line up exactly with everything that we think, so forget it. we're out. and what a massive loss
1: control yeah well that happened? right it's, it's, it's got to control it, Shut it down, ignore it, whatever. It's too bad
0: yeah, well, that raises i mean I think where Tim's headed is what does it mean to say that God is sovereign um and you had a great, man, we did this how many years ago now? You had this, it started as a blog post, and then we brought you on. And it was one of the, one of the early times we had you. And, and, you know, good Lord. That's when we realized gombus was a verb. Um, <laughs> you were talking about how, you know, God's sovereignty is manifested through human agents. Yeah. Um, that's what it means for God to be sovereign. Is that they're 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 human agents that have delegated authority, and uh, what a vastly different picture of control that would turn out to be then.
1: Yeah, control. I think control is just the least helpful way of thinking about God's sovereignty to me. It's it's just not. It doesn't do any good work. It doesn't. Um, mm. Yeah, God is sovereign. It, it's that's his own. He's sovereign king. Is like his at. It's, it's a true statement about him, but it also—it's also a scenario that looks like something. It looks like humans ruling, on uh, ruling creation, on behalf of God. And mm. since that's not happening right now, it doesn't make total sense to say that God is sovereign. I mean, it's—it's a, it's a true statement about him, but it's not a true statement about the world. It's a true mm. statement about the coming world, because like the writer of Hebrews says. You know, God, God, he quotes Psalm 8, you know, God gave to uh, Mm. man, gave to the humans um, rule and he crowned them with glory and honor. And he says, but we do not see him ruling now. Like we don't, we don't see Mm. the human ruling now, but we do see Jesus having gone into the Mm -hmm. heavenly world. And he's, he's, he like over that world, God is sovereign, but over this one, he's not.
2: Because and that's our problem. Yeah, yeah, and so we flip that upside down, right? Because what does the word control manifest in you? It's like authority and safety, right? In the in the dumb dumbest version of that, but so everything you just said, we take it and we flip it and say God is in control. Everything is, and then you and then you manifest those distinctions within that all over the place and it's fascinating because it show like barbie has that weird take on it but then you you guys didn't see oppenheimer but i'm sure you're familiar with the plot there's a bomb there's a bomb but like the the interesting the plot um conversation in that movie <laughs> <laughs> there's a bomb on the bus
0: <laughs> and liam neeson is coming out with a uh, new Version. How does that guy? <laughs> how does he have a career? I mean, he was great that early, but now he's just phoning question. it in for the same movie
2: over and over and over and over and over again. It's working well, It's just insane. That sorry, too, There's true. ten I, Fast and Furious track. movies. True. Um, what the interesting conversation in Oppenheimer amongst many, but one of the main ones is no the spoilers. difference between. I don't think this spoils. You kind of know how the movie ends. The difference between theory. <laughs> I knew how and, Titanic ends, but
0: it still was a great
2: movie. <laughs> in between theory, because all these guys it's all these scientists who are so excited about exploring theory beyond what they've been able to explore, right? So Einstein kind of was an impetus, and then these guys all built off of that and we're, and they're so excited about like these ideas. And they get so wrapped up in the ideas that when it comes to the actual manifestation Mm. of why those ideas existed and what they're being used for. It's a dramatically different thing and not to take them off, you know, Oppenheimer did develop these bombs that were used that killed hundreds of thousands of people. Um, but the conversation about how we, and it's mostly even in this case too, white men exerting control over a situation, manifesting power and control to, to literally control the world at war and dictate how it was going to end without any moral complicity in what was happening. Mm. And there's an interesting conversation between Oppenheimer and president Truman, um, that I won't spoil, but it, in some ways they kind of capitalize on those things of just how we, how much we need to manifest that control over other people's bodies, over other people's lives, over Mm. other people's autonomy, other, other people's safety, And it's pretty wild because that idea, so so it's like if God isn't sovereign now or the sovereignty doesn't play out that way here and now, we've had to reconstruct it in a way that makes sense to us, which inevitably leads to the person that's on the top of the pile. Totally. Exerting that control down. Does that make Mm -hmm. sense? Well, that's, these are the things that were kind of going through my head during these movies. Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to figure out how much we build that control with Legos because we can't, Cause we don't see it or God's not doing it exactly the way that we need him to or want him to or yeah I don't know I'm not sure what it is but what well, seems
1: generated by uh, wanting God to be in control seems to be generated mostly from our anxieties and our fears and our our um, and it seems like it seems to me that Christian people talk about that so much um, because deep down they know it's not true. Um, mm-hmm. and it's like, we have to just keep saying it and it, like, because, we, because yeah. we look around at the world and there simply is no evidence of it. It's like, and then, you know, you kind of have a, a really nice happenstance, like dog gone, at me. I am feeling a little short of money this week. And I I get in the mail an unexpected check. I'm like, Oh, Oh God is sovereign. Good. That, that happened or God something like God that. is good. It's a God thing or God is good. And instead <laughs> of, uh. Looking for the appropriate signs of uh, God's goodness, or you know, instead of realizing people get checks in the mail all the time. I mean, this just happens. <laughs> this is the kind of thing that happens. I mean, I I calmer. think it should happen to me more often than less often. <laughs> but I'm just saying, it's like we try to convince ourselves it is true because the world really does feel out of control. Um, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And got and also no. I God's uh control is not a good way of thinking about God's sovereignty because um what it, what God's sovereignty looks like is humans bringing forth the flourishing of creation and flourishing uh from creation, you know, like benefiting from creation, having a reciprocal relationship yeah. like with other people and the creation. But it's not controlling it. In so many ways, it's like clearing space for it rather than being in control of or determining what things are like for other people. I mean, you said it, Mike, like the ideal scenario is mutuality and partnership. And like that means, mm-hmm. you know, me, uh, you know, drawing out a friend and a friend drawing me out and clearing space for yeah. others to sort yeah. of step, you know, step forward and show up fully and, and, and be loved and valued and appreciated and embraced. It, 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 all those postures are in play. And those are all soft. Those are all relational. Those are all "quote unquote" more well, even, feminine, but which is unfortunate totally. to say that because it, those ought to be the practices of just people who are Christian, responding to life-giving exhortations to like put on a heart of compassion. Like, what is life like for you know for for people who are very different from me? What what is life like in, yeah. in people that are yeah. in occupy other social stations? Um, and and doing a lot of learning and attending to instead of like, this is what life's got to be like for you because it benefits me or whatever. And that gives me a feeling of being in control despite how much that will end up leaving you with a feeling that you're shut down or hemmed in or oppressed or exploited. I mean, that's... Anyway.
0: Oh, that's so good. I, I have two thoughts immediately out of that. One is, you know, if Genesis 1 um and two are the sort of the the archetypes of how God relates to creation even the form of that Hebrew verb right let us or, or let them um that's a soft that's not a that's not a I was reading something about it I don't remember the name it's a complicated name do you know what it is Gombus? what uh the 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 form of that verb that isn't it's not a command it's an invitation oh. it's a like a suggestive um it, it, it begins with a p i don't remember it's and it's a long word, but even there he's not let there be light is different than commanding light hmm. um and mm-hmm. uh and i and and you're you know you're talking about making room and making space and God just separating. Oh yeah! Right. I mean, the the whole picture is of God, who isn't using violence against the world, but rather bringing forth. And it was just a very interesting. If if the, the picture of sovereignty is in Genesis one and two, it's nothing like sovereignty as we
1: construe. Sure. it. Sure. Yeah. Well, just take um, the instance of very, God. Very very different. Putting he brings the man. He he takes the man and puts him uh, in the garden. And then sort of parades all the animals in front of him uh, totally, to see totally. what the man will call the animals. So it's like God, he generates a scenario for for the man to step forward and enter into right. what he was created to be, what God wanted him to be. So it's like right. God's sovereignty looks like people yeah. showing up fully. As, as you know, yeah. I mean, that's... Well,
0: which gets me... <clears throat>
1: was that... Uh, I was thinking about just yesterday about that. Have you guys seen that, that, um, shoot, what's his name? Charlie the guy that made the film. Oh gosh. I, everything's blanking. His name's Charlie. He's a filmmaker, Charlie, my friend, Steve sent it to me. He did like a five minute speech at the golden globes. He, um, he made the film with Will Ferrell. Well, we're, um, a writer is uh, writing Will Farrell's life, and it's in his head. He can hear it. Stranger than fiction. Stranger than fiction. Who made Stranger Than Fiction? Charlie something. I don't know. Doggone it. This is going nowhere. Charlie
0: Sheen, probably. Uh, Hashtag
1: winning. So he did the speech about like what the world needs is, is you. What the world needs is me. What the world needs is each person showing up fully as themselves. Huh. Like when that happens and we bring our gifts fully uh, into the world and give them to each other and then receive them from each other. That's what God's sovereignty looks like. It doesn't look like you were saying, Mike, the way that we imagine it, it looks like God's sovereignty looks like people getting out of the way. Like, or like when we say things like this, you know, um, we showed up to church today. This is not about us. It's about God. We want to put ourselves aside and just kind of like focus on God it's like, that's exactly what God does not want. You know, God wants us to attend to each other and listen <laughs> to each other and bring forward what's inside of us. And when we are doing that, we're getting glimpses of God. Sounds a new agey. <laughs> um,
0: <what are> the- <laughs> but it sounds fun. Though. What are the things that... And that's my yep. main criterion. It's way more theology. interesting than the other. Yes, Barbie. <laughs> um, uh, one of the things that when you were talking about, you know, Tim, and you've talked about this a lot on your own podcast, but it's really, it's really struck me that the, this kind of work, listening to people from different social locations, um, clearing space for each other, you know, the, all the one another's are in, in the New Testament seem to be clearing space for each other, be compassionate, mm-hmm. be kind, forgive, um, seem that that's the only way to approach the new humanity. Right Which is Paul's vision for the church, that people of um, rival um, social locations would come together as siblings, yeah uh, um, and, and this beautiful dynamic where the gospel raises up those that are considered lowly and it brings down those that are considered important and significant and and so you know when we when when people will label the conversation inquiring about race or inquiring about, you know, um, material excess and the disparity between the rich and the poor, or even here with gender, you know, they'll, they'll just call that woke and be done with it. Um, it seems like that's just another way to reinforce the existing dynamics that are found in the world. And God seems to very much oppose that, right, in Corinthians? Totally. I mean, they, he's, he's zapping them. There's sovereignty for you. He's, some of the people are falling asleep yeah. because they refuse to, to practice the, Im, the embodied res, uh, reciprocity of the Lord's Supper yeah. in their fellowship. And so, I, I mean, it, it's just ironic to me that we have these big theological categories that um, explain the, the perpetual nature of human sin towards each other. You know what i mean but but for some- for some reason, I and others think that we're immune um from all of those dynamics, right yeah. well, we'd never blame women like you know Adam did, yeah, or um you know, we'd never do you know what the Corinthians did, and it's like, no, no, here are all these examples of exactly the same dynamics at play, and it's just it's just amazing,
1: yeah, it's the craziest thing that it but it exists, and it exists to me very prominently in conservative white evangelical spaces the assumption that because we're obviously God's favorites we have we've been given a pass by God we don't have to do the things that God says other people have to yeah yeah it's just an it's insane this... it's a, it is an there... insanity <laughs> um, but it's like it, the kind of Christianity man this has been like the critical question i've had in my head for honestly this has been like 25 years like how did how could this have happened like how could Mm -hmm. how could the christian environment in which i was raised um, quote the bible so much and be so convinced that we are the insiders to god's work in the world and called to sort of sort everybody else out and have assumption that we just don't have to do all this stuff like we don't have to listen uh to other people we don't have to learn we're not the learners we're the teachers it is a it's a profound arrogance and an insanity but it's like i think that that version of of christianity um, is the version of christianity that um basically was the same kind of christianity That came uh, four or five hundred years to this land and Mm. um, with the assumption that they were God's endorsed favorites, which gave them a free pass um, to murder the original inhabitants of this land and then um, to enslave um, black Africans and to bring them here for the purposes of the Mm. idolatry of money. And it's like yeah. that, that assumption has sort of just kind of wound its, wound its way all the way through uh, down into white, conservative, evangelical Christianity. And it's, it's still there. So what I'm saying is there's an insanity that yeah. has to occupy the hearts and minds of a people who would be murderous and who would enslave. And, totally. um, and that kind of insanity has made its way into the Christianity that I inherited That's the only way I can explain it.
2: Yeah. Have you seen that? That's the control thing, right? This is real quick. That's why I wanted to have this conversation or why it was in my head is exactly that, that Mm. we ask, and I'm using air quotes. If you're listening, those who are the chosen people and, and then saying, how can you, how could you, how could you, you guys don't get it to everyone else outside of that little circle. And then whatever we do within that circle, because we're the chosen, becomes ordained and then right. becomes kind of the, the the manifested truth of the land. So literally with that, like manifest destiny or something like that, like it becomes ordained yeah. because we're the ones doing it. And that is just, and so now with the, what you, the examples you just gave, you know, the other thing that I texted you guys was like, now we're debating whether or not slavery was beneficial for oh, those who were didn't. enslaved and so now we're taking that narrative and instead of yeah. repenting and lamenting we're we're right. reordaining it in a whole new way and, and then now you're seeing people in interview like just everyday people picking up that narrative that's being used by some of those politicians and carrying it forward mm-hmm. and you're just you're watching it in real time you're watching this happen in real time yeah and it's bananas it is
1: insane it is it's insane it is insane and kind of what you were you were bringing up mike it's like um there it's it is the most profound it's profoundly exact it is the exact instance of failing to love one's neighbor as oneself like that person over there is benefited by being under control by having their family separated, by having their uh, spouse raped by an owner, that actually sets that person up for good. Like, because instead of thinking, do I want to be owned? Do I want to have my spouse raped? Do I want to have my children taken from me? Do I want right. to uh, be branded? Do I want to um, desire my freedom but fear being hunted down? I actually don't. I don't want any of those things. So I don't want those things for my, for my neighbor. But uh, so yeah. it's like, you know, the, the governor, yep. Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, saying those kinds of things is simply an insane person. It's, it's just nuts. Yeah. It is prof- yeah. profoundly crazy. You're exactly <laughs> yeah. right, Tim. Instead of just thinking the life-giving postures that we could inhabit would be to learn to confess, to lament. Those, those are not, um, things that we do with, you know, uh, in a grumpy mood or anything (laughs) like that. Like, Oh, like those are life giving. It's, it's actually wonderful to learn from other people. It's actually wonderful to have our, our minds and hearts and souls expanded by having, um, a view of life from a different perspective than our own. But, you know, gosh, it's just, it's crazy. You hear people say crazy things. That's what happens. Like when, when you, um, in a position of privilege and power and you're responsible to control the bodies of other human beings I mean you do go insane mm.
0: <laughs> okay this is my fourth attempt to get a key uh, key and peel sketch reference in here so have you guys seen the one where uh, Key and Peel and a couple of white people are in a prayer. They're in a prayer meeting. Have you guys no. seen this one? I don't think I've. So seen they're this praying. One. <laughs> okay, they're praying for the poor and the marginalized, and it's and it's super evangelical cliche. Like, Lord, be with them. Lord, help them. Lord, just answer our prayer. Lord, show up. And all of a sudden, there's this golden light that filters down onto the coffee table, and it's clearly the voice of and presence of God, who says, "I will answer your prayer." sell everything yeah. and give to the poor. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and you know, it, it, and they have these humorous reactions until finally um, one, uh, one of them says, I knew this house was haunted, and they run out.
1: <laughs> That's um, awesome.
0: <laughs> and, and, and isn't that, I mean, it's exactly the, the unpardonable sin, the blaspheming against the spirit, attributing to Satan oh, what is geez, actually yeah. God's and, and, um, attributing to God, what is actually Satan hmm. in the world. And that seems, I mean, I, you're just, and, and, I, and I have to, I mean, I, I don't want, I don't want us to come across like we're the, we're the enlightened ones and all of those other fools, <laughs> you know, cause that's, cause that's the, the same dynamic now, yeah. right? I mean, if we're not acknowledging our own complicity.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. These
0: same systems.
1: I know I'm wrapped up in it, and it's it's really hard work. It's hard work to actually uh, reorient uh, long-established habits and patterns. It's it's really difficult totally. work. Yep. And I. And all right. I have. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm done. I'm not no, no. talking too much.
0: Never. <laughs> Are you kidding me? There's no such thing. Um, all right. This is this is related to god is not in control but it's an email from a listener who gave me permission knowing that you were coming on today uh to ask this question so it's a a bit of a left turn um today i learned one of my co-workers has committed suicide Uh, i knew him had interacted with him assisted him in some of his uh, endeavors but never had any deeper interaction with him He was a young man in the prime of his life. By all appearances, he had the world at his fingertips. He was smart, skilled, talented, vibrant, and seemed to have an exceedingly uh, promising future ahead of him. News of his passing was a shock. Nobody saw it was coming. It's very confusing. I've been on a journey of uh, deconstruction, reconstruction, or whatever it is, for a few years now. I know how I would have responded a few years ago Um, quote, he never said the salvation prayer or quote, he obviously didn't have any faith. Otherwise he wouldn't have killed himself. How disgusting and judgmental I was. The problem is I no longer know how to respond. My heart is broken as broken hearted as I am. I can only imagine, um, how broken hearted Jesus is. Um, for someone to face such hopelessness that death is more hopeful than life is beyond my comprehension, but the Jesus I've come to know knows about this at a far deeper le- level than any of us can comprehend. So how do I respond? How do I pray for this person? Or can I? I don't know anymore. Hmm. Right, so speaking of God not being in control and giving, and giving uh, his image bearers agency to do even that, how is it... And, I, and I, I have so much respect for the re- realization that, you know, instantly a lot of us would just judge the person's eternal destiny without any, any other consideration, you know? And mm-hmm. um, I grew up in a tradition that said suicide was the unforgivable sin because you weren't around to confess it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I don't know. What do you guys think? From Barbie...
1: We started a Barbie, and here we are. <laughs> well, this is appropriate because that's right at the beginning of the film when she's like, you guys ever think about dying?
0: Totally, uh, totally.
1: <laughs> no, that's I, – uh, I think um, I've really uh, – I, I think that that question ought to be seen as a, a remnant of a former way of thinking by that person that, that, that you just read. Like how should i respond yeah. i would want to yeah. ask like how like to be attentive to like how am i responding like i can tr like um the the new the actual the the, the true person that i am um cultivating constantly like a heart of love and compassion what am i feeling about this and what what, what is mm. um i want myself to show up fully and attend to all that I'm feeling and thinking about this person's this beautiful person. Who's no longer in this world to, to bring out his gifts and, and his perspective of wonder and all of that. And my heart is broken. Like that's the response. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And express all the beauty and grief over this loss. Those are the, those are the right response if those are whatever the responses of this person are like, those are the right responses. Instead of asking how should I be respond- responding? Mm-hmm. Like I can trust mm-hmm. myself um, and attend to how I am responding and that's fully appropriate. There's no sort of right way mm-hmm. to do it necessarily. I think that we were all raised and trained in, in, Uh, that Christian tradition to always be basically distrusting ourselves and knowing like Mm. from that view of like total depravity, or I'm just a, a wretch or a worm, or I'm terrible. So I can never trust any of my own thoughts and feelings and responses. And it's like, no, I'm actually, um, I'm, I'm wonderful. I'm, I'm, I'm constantly thinking about, how to love my neighbor and i'm, I'm wanting to sort of put off mm. selfishness and um learn ever new conversational practices to bring out other people's goodness and to bring my goodness to bear more effectively and fully uh to be a blessing to other people and so and that's that's what i'm wanting to do and, and to cultivate and those are and that's good that's good i'm, I'm a mm. gift to other people and other people are a gift to me and we can celebrate being human in God's good, but unfortunately broken world. That's how we manifest God's sovereignty in the world. And when a situation like this arises, a tragic situation, we can respond with, you know, softened hearts and and brokenness and grief and lament and think about creative ways um, to, to see to it that this person's life is celebrated and the people that feel his absence powerfully and painfully are, are attended to. Um, yeah, those are, those are, it seems to me appropriate responses. And there's a lot of possibilities. There's no like right way to respond necessarily. There's a lot of mm. room for creativity on, on a lot of people's part. Yeah,
0: that's good. Uh, my therapist, um, we've been working on not only noticing, but being curious about yeah. uh, how I'm responding. So, so like, w- what is it in me that has to know what happened yeah. to this person, as opposed to just caring uh, yeah. for this person or their family? What is it in me that has, to, like, why do I, why, yeah. why do I have to have an opinion about
1: this? Um, yeah, I'd want to ask the question, why isn't it enough to obey Jesus in this situation? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Because well, I'm not yeah. told to figure out someone's yeah. eternal destiny. I'm told to love my neighbor.
0: Right. And so what's the problem right. here?
1: Why can't I just obey Jesus? Why is it? Why do I have to do more than that?
0: Yeah, guys, I want you to keep talking. I have I have to use the bathroom. <laughs> so it's just pee, but it's happening. Whether I would, Chapman, come here. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> all right, you talk to him for a second. Okay. They just got to use the bathroom. Um, that Mike, is awesome. Go ahead, Mike. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah. Great, Dad.
1: Does that get at uh, yeah. a lot of the itches that you wanted scratched right. him?
2: Yeah, I think our so. Now with that, I, point. Yeah, I'm curious about, is do all these roads just lead to death? I mean, and then how does that reorient uh, Jesus' victory over death? Does that make sense? Like, does the, our... Need to manifest. So it's funny that yes, Barbie started with that. Like, yeah. Do you guys ever think about dying? And then just the uh, absolute avoidance of that conversation, it, where she had to like kind of flip it around, be like, "Oh, I mean, I'm dying, dying to, to dance." Fun. Yeah. And then everyone's like, "Yeah, let's have fun." <laughs> and then obviously Oppenheimer is about yeah death, and he even quotes that Hindu. I think it's the Hindu, like the I am the
1: destroyer of death yeah and so
2: i i have become death the destroyer of worlds which is heavy hand and then you know what that piece of hindu scripture is talking about on its own and then how it works into this larger conversation is like is this what when we manifest control is it is this the is, is does it lead to death like is that and then is that part of what jesus undoes I don't know. These are little thoughts that are percolating now to the top as we kind of tear through these different ideas. And yeah, even with what Mike just said about having to understand how did you say, Mike, by your therapist that I have to have an opinion or understand why something happens yeah
0: yeah what is it in me that that i have to um have an opinion on everything or broadcast my opinion on everything or render a judgment about this person's yeah that's control too. destiny yeah so it's
2: such an interesting do those all those roads lead so because my therapist is trying to reconnect my head and my heart and she's like you're stuck up here hmm. and so uh that causes my brain to do exactly that—to have an opinion about everything, to control the narrative of everything, to whatever. And I don't trust my intuition anymore. And she's like, "We got to get you out of here and get you down to here because mm. this is ruining everything. Oh, Not that dude. it's inherently bad, but it's yeah. just operating as a yeah. sole operative. Yeah. And so it's—I don't know. I, all these, uh, Mike. I was just asked like, him. Is like the inevitable road of all this stuff: death. And then, how yeah. does that reframe how Jesus is victory over death? Oh. Because all these roads seem, whether it's Barbie joking about death or Oppenheimer literally leading. And I was, we were talking about the Hindu, the yeah. I have become death, i the destroyer of worlds. And. Well, remember what that mom says. The creator
0: says to Barbie We moms stand still in death so that you. Uh-huh. Can look back daughter and see how far you've come mm. like death is a huge part of the barbie movie we are what like, they grow beyond star wars <laughs> that's exact that's exactly right so god has to be in control to manage the existential dread of what it is to be human oh it's yeah, so interesting
1: because i'm always questing for certainty always uh, yes what is it
0: and, and to overcome limits
1: yeah yeah, instead of I mean,
0: I read I read about I read about a CEO that's trying to he's like in his 40s or 50s trying to make his biological age 18. Oh wow! And yeah. spending I've heard of that millions of dollars in this yeah. endeavor, like reverse like, his like,
2: body's aging. That's pro- right. That's oh. right.
1: Yeah. Um, and what is that? Yeah, uh, the power. What is it? What is the exact expression in Hebrews? What um, the power. The fear of death was, was, is like this is Satan's strength or something like that. And, and Jesus, yeah, yeah, yeah. he sort of oh, takes that's right, away that. That's right. that he takes away the fear of death. Um, not a know, whole because we are going to die, but we want, yeah. So certainty, um, how Steve said this to me the other day, he's got a quote carved into his bookshelf at his house says, uh, certainty is the is a symptom of death Uncertainty is the pulse of life. And, oh, um, uh, I think we have to, because of our fear and our anxiety, yeah, the existential dread, we have got to have a God who is in, who is a micromanager and who is, who is in control because right. this, it's very, it's because it's so scary to be human and to lean into yeah. uncertainties in relationships and in, um, um, and how things go in this world but yep gripping so hard control gripping so hard just sets us up for so much pain in this world and that yeah. is the manifestation yeah. of um of really the fallen powers the powers and authorities what they did and in, in rebelling against god was to grasp for control of the creation instead of um, sort of managing on God's behalf, it's flourishing. Um yeah, and uh I'm just thinking about how in Ephesians six the uh, they're called cosmos graspers. Um mm. you know the, the powers mm. of darkness in Ephesians six cosmos, krateros, cosmos graspers. Yes. So it's like they're they're grip they're gripping. I mean Steve and I say that to each other all the time, man. So and so is he's gripping hard. Because it's like he's gotta you know, <laughs> gotta have control of the situation, can't let go, can't yes, can't hold things with an open hand and i I know I'm like that in relationship. It's totally. hard, Mike to stay curious um to yes. ask questions, you know, not only of ourselves but um of others, and to sort of manage uh outcomes we We want guaranteed outcomes. That's the fundamental motivation. That's behind right. the creation of idolatries is to have guaranteed mm, outcomes. That's it. We do oh, not I mean preach. in the Old Testament instead of trusting God to send the rains, it was nope, it just it peace. made more sense to yeah. uh, offer sacrifices to Baal so that you know and to follow to worship Baal so that they could have guaranteed crops. And yeah. you know we want guaranteed outcomes so we 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 generate a bunch of other idolatries but Come on! All C-T. right,
0: we've covered a lot, guys. We've covered a lot, and Gombus is a hard out, and so that's right. I got to roll. We respect, we respect your time. Man, it's so great to see T- you guys.
1: T-T. No better way to spend a Saturday morning.
0: So appreciate you, bro. I Thank you. Up Listen to his podcast. See you l- <laughs> what?
1: That's what you're doing right now. Is you're switching laundry, dude? Soft. <clears throat> I'm, I, I prize soft emotions, and I do. Household chores. I'm doing laundry and I got to go uh, meet with a friend. Nice. Have a great time. You guys are the best. Love you. Peace. See ya. Appreciate you, bro. See ya. All right. Talk soon. Peace. Later. Uh,
0: all right. Bye. bye. All right, Sefi, you want to do Shema for us? Yes. All right. As we close our time today, that close is so fast. Yes, we're not closing our service. We're closing the podcast. Yeah. Yes, in every
2: Israel,
0: Israel, Adonai, Israel, Israel, Adonai Elenehu, Adonai Echad, Hero Israel, 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 the Lord, Lord, Lord alone. Oh, will, the Lord alone. I messed it up. Love Israel, the Lord your God by your heart, soul, mind, and strength, Israel. and Israel. love your neighbor as Israel. yourself. Amen. Amen great Amen. job Seth Amen. Theory. you're the best you're the best yeah yeah but wow you miss all the facial expressions if you're not <laughs> on youtube that's all I have to say yep, you too. <laughs> job stafford <laughs> have a wonderful day let
2: me bye. see you bye, bye. Oh. thank you thank you thank you for listening to this conversation Voxology is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that is supported by listeners just like yourself. If you'd like to partner with us, you can do so at patreon.com backslash Voxology. You can also join the community and hang out and chat with us on the socials facebook.com backslash voxology podcast and on instagram at voxology thank you thank you thank you for walking the long road with us